there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to Varsity Club Podcast. Another week. I am sitting in my parents' house in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Jacob Padilla on the other line is, I'm assuming, at his apartment in Omaha, Nebraska. Yes, I am watching uh, the NBA playoff games, and Boban Marjanovic just checked into the game, so that's cool. I have this this Sixers Raptors game on my TV as well, and we won't we won't talk about the NBA too much. Although I do think uh, you deserve your time in the sun a little bit, probably for uh, the Suns kind of passing off the dumpster fire of the NBA title to the Lakers. So congrats to you. I'm sure that you're probably very excited about the Lakers cratering. Um, yeah, uh, I know uh, Greg Smith is absolutely thrilled about what's happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about these these uniforms that the Sixers and the Raptors are wearing? So like, the Raptors are wearing like these cherry red jerseys that have just a random white triangle looking thing on them almost. I don't really know how to describe them. But they're weird, and they're not Raptors. Yeah. How do you feel about these? The Nike, Nike's I, trying weird stuff. Yeah, I do not like them. I yeah, they are very strange. I red's my favorite color. I'm all for uh, bright red jerseys, but that ain't it. So you would be upset if Nebraska just adopted these for next season? <laughs> yes, I would. I might have to write a strongly worded column about that. Well, don't don't infringe on Brandon's territory. <laughs> True. That's so smart. Here's how I'm going to try to transition this. So Philadelphia is currently down 3-2 in the series. If they lose, the roster is probably getting gutted, and it's going to look like a completely different team next year. So that leads into what I would like to talk to you about. Nebraska, and, and this, is not, this is not hyperbole. This is not, um, I don't have to say kind of like, technically I don't need any qualifying phrases. They are literally going to be a 100% different team next year on the basketball court than they were during the 2018-2019 season. The, the the flipping of this roster that Fred Hoiberg has done in the month and a half, two months since he took the job, uh, I want to get your thoughts on that, whether you think it's it's crazy, whether you think it's incredible and in, in what he's been able to accomplish in the short amount of time he's had, or given some of the stuff that has come out over the last couple of weeks with – meetings with guys like Amir Harris and Carrington Davis and Brady Hyman electing to leave the program and then information coming out afterwards of what Fred told them. Like, how do you feel about the way that this whole process is kind of shaken out? Yeah, I'm still trying to kind of sort out my thoughts on that. For one, it's impressive the degree to which he has already reshaped this roster. I, uh, I didn't expect everybody that was coming back next year to finish their careers at Nebraska. But I didn't know that he'd wipe out the entire <laughs> roster basically in year one. Um, that's a lot of scholarships to fill. And he's ob- right, right now he's got four to fill, uh, likely five when Roby stays in the draft. Um, and we haven't heard quite as many names 
recently as we're originally on the board. Uh, some guys have been quiet the last few weeks. They haven't had as many visitors in. So it'll be interesting to see where they uh, turn their sights to close out um, kind of this recruiting class. Obviously, I don't think they'd push guys out if they didn't have confidence that they'd be able to field a, a competitive roster for next season. So you have to think they have some kind of um, uh, confidence about that. But so on that, that side of things, it's impressive what they're doing and what they're going to continue to do. On the other hand, I've always been the guy that's kind of player um, in favor of players. And anytime it comes to player versus coach versus NCAA, all that kind of stuff. And knowing Brady Hyman, even before he got to Nebraska, like I do, um, it's kind of, kind of a tough situation for me to see. Um, I wish it could have gone at least a little bit differently, even if the result had been the same based on kind of how we heard how these things went down. Um, I know one source told me, especially with Carrington Davis, he uh, originally the the pep talk was, hey, you're going to have to work really hard to get on the court here. We're bringing some guys in and it's going to be competitive. So that was the in-person talk. And then he went home and got a phone call that was a little bit worded more strongly that basically told them, yeah, you don't have a spot on the team anymore. And um, conversation kind of went similar like that with the other guys that have left too, it sounds like. So yeah, someone I, told me that was basically the same thing that happened with Amir Harris. Yeah. And Brady <clears throat> and Brady Hyman's uh, conversation was kind of that um, a little bit more direct in the in-person conversation. So um, I, I, I don't I don't know how I feel about the, uh, the calling them after they go home and telling them you no longer have a spot here. Um, I understand what they're doing. And um, basically the NCAA or Big Ten or whatever the rule is allows him to do this. These, this first year. So if he did not see a future for these guys in his program, um, now is the only time that he has to essentially force them out. And um, because after next year with the Big Ten guaranteeing uh, scholarships for four years, if they didn't want to leave, they didn't have to. This is the one year where he could get those scholarships back if he felt like he needed to do that. So right. It, it, in that vein, yeah, more power to him. He's doing what he needs to to turn this uh, this program around. On the other hand, I really do feel for the players, and I know uh, I'm, I'm I think you and I were the foremost conductors of the Amir Harris hype train. So, yep. kind of a kind of a sad couple of days for you and I here. Um, so I feel for the players. Um, I wish they would have um, handled it a little differently than they apparently did. But I also understand what Hoiberg and his staff is doing right now. Yeah, I, I think I really love Demir Harris's game. I think he's going to find a place where he can be effective. I think the same thing for Brady Hyman. And I, and I thought Carrington Davis, just watching him shooting uh, in, in, I guess, preseason last year, I thought he could play a role in last year's team. So I think the guys will have options. Uh, but one one of the important things I think you said was force out. And that's, that's kind of you know the way it looks from the outside. And it feels um, pretty aggressive in that, Fred came in and kicked a bunch of these guys off the team. And and I think wording is probably important. But I, I do I, – I'm with you in the sense that I feel for the players and I feel for a guy like Brady Hyman who just hasn't been in the right situation or hasn't been in the situation he thought he was coming to for a year and a half now. But at the same time, I think 
you know, I, I, I can sort of, well, not sort of, I, I see uh, the benefits to what Fred is doing. And I think in the long run, he, it, it's also helping the players in the sense that, you know, yeah, it, it, he sounds like he's, you know, bringing the hammer down on him now, but at the same time, like he could have been like, yeah, you could stay here. Uh, you could work really hard and, you know, you could see where that gets you and convince the guys that, that there's a path to playing time for them when he knows deep down that there really isn't because, I mean, it, it, and you can probably answer this better than I can, but just looking at Brady Hyman's game, it doesn't fit with what Fred wants to do uh, offensively or defensively. So, he, I mean, he could have told him, like, yeah, you could work really hard and you could try to develop a three-point shot and you could stick around and see what that leads you and, you know, know deep down that that's not going to lead to any playing time down the road. And I think, you know, while it sounds pretty harsh right now it's sort of in the best interest of the players as well because this just wasn't for these guys maybe Amir notwithstanding for these other guys it was just not the right fit going forward yeah no that is 100% correct and you look at all these uh these other guys that are going out here um that are on their way out there they basically all of them had maybe one or two uh, just a few other high major offers. Um, Amir had a decent number of offers, but um, Carrington Davis didn't have a ton of high major offers. Brady Hyman didn't have any other high major offers. Nana Kenton was kind of the same way. Um, outside of Thomas Allen, a lot of these guys weren't um, very highly thought of from other schools. So and it, you're, you kind of understand where um Hoiberg was coming in and um not necessarily seeing them having a future in his program they're they're not quite up to the talent level that he uh he thinks he can get in at this program and that he needs to succeed at the level that he wants to succeed at and um and and that's you're right it's better to do it now um it's kind of harsh the way they handled it but it's kind of better hey go find a place where you fit better um yeah maybe Amir or Brady, I think those two in particular, maybe they could have found a way to contribute to the team, um, especially next year and year one. Um, but I don't think long term, either one probably would have been ideal fits or developed into all conference type players. Hey, maybe it's uh, maybe it's the white fang psychology at play a little bit where he, he feels like the people the, the guys wanted to stay and he had to be extra harsh to get them to leave, even though he didn't want to be extra harsh to get them to leave. Yeah. Um, go on, get, sure. get, I don't want you anymore. <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. Let's give okay. him kind of that benefit of the doubt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, so, so I've kind of, it, it's not anything fancy. It's just a little um, numbers file spreadsheet on my laptop that just has uh, returning, departing, incoming players <laughs> for Nebraska. I didn't, just so I could keep it all straight. Departing guard, Glenn Watson, Jr. Thomas Allen, Jr. James Palmer Jr., Nana Kenton, Amir Harris, Carrington Davis, forward Isaac Copeland, forward Brady Hyman, forward Tanner Borkhart, uh, returning Deshaun Burke, Thorier Thurb Yarnerson. Those are con- those are confirmed at this point. And then the incoming guys, they've got Gervais Green, Cam Mack, Hanif Cheatham, Mate Kavas, Delano Banton, who will sit a year, and then a Colorab from Creighton Prep. They have two two point two points returning from last year's team that averaged seventy two a game. 
Isaiah Roby is a complete. <laughs> I, I think he's an unknown at this point, and and we'll get. I I, I want to get into him in a, in a little bit because he's got that combine invite that I want to talk to you about. Um, but I mean, no one is back from last year's team, and and I guess my question to you is: for a guy like Thorir Thorbjarnarson, or for a guy like Deshaun Burke, I mean, are are they? Do you see them being part of? the rotation early on this upcoming season, or is it going to be Jervé Green and Cam? I mean, I expect it to be Jervé Green and Cam Mack in the backcourt, the starting backcourt. Do you expect the rest of those pieces to fill in around them to be a guy like Cheatham or, or a guy like uh, Kavos? And then where does where does a Kolarop fit into all of this? Because he's one of the only bigs in name on the roster right now, but he's not big. So where does he fit in? Yeah, that's <laughs> you look at the roster right now. You got um, taking Isaiah Roby out of it. Uh, side note: I think uh, forcing out every person on the team that he knows is probably not um, going to make him want to return to Nebraska anymore. So, as as if it wasn't already a foregone conclusion that he was leaving. Um, at this point, I don't know that he has a whole lot to return to. But uh, back to the main point. Yeah, right now. Mate Kavas is the tallest player on the team at 6'8", 200 pounds, and all he does is shoot threes, basically. Uh, he's listed as a guard at 6'8". Delano Banton is also 6'8", probably sitting out this year, also a guard. So those are the two tallest players on the team. Um, Akola Rope is the only one on the roster right now with any kind of front court experience, uh, skill set, anything like that. And he's about 6'5 half and 190 pounds freak athlete really long arms um rebounds the ball really well um he's used to battling against guys bigger than himself but (laughs) you probably don't want him starting at the five so they're gonna have to keep working they're gonna have to fill out that front court a little bit more um but you you mentioned cam mack and jervey green and i uh i actually talked to uh um, a, a teammate of Jervé Green's at Western Nebraska, um, a kid from Scottsbluff that I know, Drew Kuxhausen. And so he played with Jervé all last season, and they played against Cam Mack. So I, I kind of talked to him and got his thoughts on both those guys and kind of how they're going to fit together. So keep an eye out on that for Hale Varsity coming this weekend. But, yeah, I think that's going to be where it starts. Those two are going to be the guys that um, Hoiberg leans on to kind of run his system, make sure everything's going the right way. Those are the guys that are going to be your bucket getters. The ball is going to be in their hands a lot. Um, I do. I'm high on Deshaun Burke. Um, Just what I've seen of him in practice. um, I don't think that he's going to necessarily be the quite the same scorer that he might've been in his um, previous staff, Robert Morris. And I think Cam McIntyre Green will probably score more than him this year, but the dude really competes on the defensive end. Um, In practice, he was guarding anybody from, Glenn Watson to Isaac Copeland. He didn't care. He was just taking on um, whoever they wanted to throw at him and working to make those guys better. So he's a guy that I think will fit in nicely out there on the wing and kind of a three guard uh, backcourt out there. Um, they're all about six four. Uh, you got you got Gervais about six three or so. Uh, Deshaun um, six four. Then Max a little bit smaller than that. Um, I and. You would think just based on height and skill set, Kavaz would slide in at the four um, as a stretch four option, space the floor, um, play off of guys like Mack and Green. Um, Especially Burke isn't as great of a uh, three-point shooter. 
Um, that's kind of one of the areas that need to work on during his redshirt year. Um, I don't know where that leaves Hanif Cheatham. I don't know if you go super small and have him out there with the starters. I kind of see him more as maybe your six van can handle any of the perimeter spots. He's about six, five can get to the rim, can handle the ball a little bit. will defend. So I think you'll see one of uh, Burke and Cheatham in the starting lineup and the other one probably kind of coming as the, the spark plug off the bench. Um, and it's so it's so funny talking about this team because when you talk about the guys who are leaving and you talk about the you know the whole they're they're returning two points from last year's team like the, the, there's just there's a very like downtrodden way of looking at it from that perspective but then when you go and you look at the guys that they have coming in Jervé Green and Cam Mack are two of the top three JUCO guards JUCO prospects overall in the country and they've got both of them coming in and I I would project both of them to be your starting backcourt um, yeah. and I think they complement each other really well you've got Kavas who is like tailor-made for this Fred Hoiberg system you've got Cheatham who like you said can be kind of a a, a contributor off the bench I mean the, the guys that they have coming in it it, it looks promising uh, it's just kind of an interesting dichotomy at play right now I want to ask you about Jace Johnson from Utah the big seven-footer that was a guy that was linked to Nebraska. Where did he end up? He ended up committing Marquette. someplace else. Marquette, that's right. Was that a big loss for the Huskers? I think it was in a certain degree. So for one, I'm, I was shocked by that. I had actually already done the pre-write on there, just kind of looking at the two situations and what they offered him. Um, Marquette's got, yeah, they just lost the Hauser brothers who kind of started three and the four for them. But they've got Theo John and Ed Morrow coming back next year. And both are true posts. Neither one of them can really spread the floor. Um, and that's kind of where Jace Johnson fits in as well. So now you've got three centers um, and no real true power forward. So it'll be interesting to see how Steve Wojciechowski kind of figures out his roster post Hauser brothers. And I think part of the reason he wanted to transfer is he wanted more offensive freedom. And you're going to a place where Marcus Howard is going to dribble the ball 95% of the time he's out there. So I, 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 I was confused by that decision based on what we've heard of him. He's a loss insofar as they need somebody to play the center position. They got to have somebody. You don't want to roll out a cola rope or Monte Cavas at the five. If you can afford, you can avoid that. That is what you want to do because you're going to be in a lot of trouble there. Um, Doc Sather would probably demand an instant raise as soon as you went into the season um, with that as your kind of starting lineup. So I, I, I don't know that Jace Johnson is a great player. Um, just kind of looking at the, the, the Utah fan reaction to him was kind of mixed. I don't know that he's a guy that ever lived up to kind of his high school hype. He was a consensus four-star four star top 100 guy. A good rebounder, decent rim protector, but two out of his three seasons, he averaged more rebounds and points. Um, he, his free throw shooting is horrendous, so he couldn't shoot and couldn't stretch a floor at all. So I don't know that he was, um, a big loss in terms of the, the kind of talent he is. Um, he's, he's, he's a fine, he's a solid starting center at a high major team, but, um, I don't know that he's anywhere close to an all conference type of guy. So not a home, not a home run. It seems like exactly the, the problem is I don't know who else is out there that can fill that hole at this point. They haven't looked at a ton of guys that can kind of play that post spot. 
Well, that was going to be my next question: is what, 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 where do they go from here then? Because I mean, there's the the six foot seven uh, French forward who is only seventeen, who is not yeah. a seven foot center who played at Utah, and I, Yvonne I'm not going to try to butcher the Utah coach's name, but played with that system and got bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah. Uh, I'm just really bad with names, so I'm yeah. just going to leave leave the names up to you. Wait, is that that French forward? Is he kind of the fallback option now, or I mean, where do they go from here? Yeah, so they had so Ivan Moy Drago. Um, he put Nebraska in his top in his final three. Haven't really heard a whole lot since. I think he might have taken another uh, visit or something like that. Um, or maybe I'm getting mixed up, but. Um, so we haven't heard anything from him since he put Nebraska in his top three. Um, but so they're still in the mix with him. And then Kevin Cross is the other um, high school, I guess, Boy Drago. I mean, doesn't necessarily fit in that same category, but the other 29 recruit, um, he's about 6'8", 235, somewhere in that range. So kind of similar to Boy Drago as a more of a power forward type. Um, he's a kind of late bloomer type that, Doc Sadler, um, I think he kind of took a look at him while he was at Southern Miss and had him on campus there. So they've kind of got the in there. He, uh, Kevin Cross, he took a visit, I believe, um, maybe TCU, um, but haven't heard anything since then. Um, so yeah, the TCU May 5th to 6th, he took a visit there. So since then, I haven't seen anything more from him. But I think those are the two kind of high school guy, high school age guys are in on right now. And we're kind of waiting for those guys to decide. Um, they had Maurice Kalu, the former Oklahoma state forward on campus, kind of that first big weekend. And I have not seen a single thing about him since that visit. No idea what's going on with him. I wasn't super high on him to begin with. Um, Joel and Tomboy came that same week, the, um, UNLV um, transfer, kind of a stretch four type, uh, similar-ish to uh, Kavis, except a little bit better rebounder. Um, he uh, entered his name in the draft, but didn't get any uh, uh, invitations to any of the camps. Um, so I don't know. I, I think he, I think he also uh, took a visit to TCU. So it's kind of interesting that Nebraska keeps running into TCU. Um, with a lot of these, these guys here they're in the mix with. but And then, so those are the, the two names that came up a while ago, but we haven't heard much news since. Um, I know the other UNLV forward that visited with in Tomboy, uh, Joel Chachua, whatever, um, three-name guy, he uh, committed to Baylor, I believe it is. So he's off the board. Um and then this weekend, right now, actually, they've got um, a really interesting guy. Um, so he originally went to Pitt um, and under Stallings there, and then he got fired. And um, so uh, was it Jeff Capel? Is that uh, yeah? So he kind of convinced him to stick around, and then like six game after six games, he fell out of the rotation, and then basically didn't play at all for the next four, and then he got the heck out of there transferred to Nevada and then, and then sat out obviously. And then, um, Eric Musselman left Nevada. So for the second time he had a coach leave him and kind of open things back up again. 
and he's visiting this weekend. He's uh, Shamil Stevenson, 6'6", like 235, 240 pound range, apparently has a 6'11 wingspan and a 40 inch vertical. So this is a really interesting dude. Um, I kind of, and he can shoot a little bit. He's not a big time shooter, but it looks like decent percentage on in, threw one in every other game or so um, his freshman year. He had a good freshman year at Pitt. Um, and he's a kind of guy, I don't know, like maybe Deontay Burton is um, a kind of similar-ish guy. Um, he ended up going to Iowa State. Um, was that, yeah, th- he, he, uh, he, he transferred there when Hoiberg was still there, right? He transferred the the he when he committed to Iowa State. Hoiberg was still there, yes. and then but Hoiberg left for the Bulls. Yeah. But he did, yeah, he did not play for Hoiberg, and he was a six foot like four, six foot five. He plays guard in the NBA now, but he played forward, kind yeah, of that exactly. George's Niang role for them. And I mean, yeah. Niang really in his own right was only six foot seven. Yeah, and Melvin Edgem was six foot six. Um, yeah, not big of, guys. Yeah, so. He's, I think, kind of in that range where he could play the three, four, or five for Nebraska. So, and he's the kind of guy with basically everything he's gone through that I think you could potentially get a waiver for to play right away. If you don't get a waiver, I think he uh, would be eligible for second semester. So, as soon as the December, um, as soon as the first semester ended in December, he could play. Um, but they got a they got a, a waiver for Isaac Copeland, and I think they could probably do the same for Stevenson if he were to commit. So he's the only one on campus right now, um, only name we've heard recently. So if they can get him, I think that would be big. It seems like he's a guy that could fit something, uh, fit into what they've done before. And he's, again, he's not a seven-footer. He's not even 6'9", six, 6'10", six, but he's a dude that can play bigger than he is. And Hoiberg's done well with guys like that. Yep, and Nebraska has four four open scholarships currently to fill. So, guy, I mean, more guys are coming, probably – Two guards, probably another sit-out transfer. Um, they need a center, so we'll see. But they could get to five open scholarships, depending on what happens with Isaiah Roby. And that's what we'll talk about next. Roby got, officially got a combine invite, one of 66 players to do so. Um, and getting that combine invite, pretty much, it, it doesn't ensure that he's sticking in the draft but it's a pretty good i mean he could come back if he wanted to he could still pull his name out before the may 29th deadline uh but a couple of numbers that i found syracuse.com had a story over the last five seasons on average 43 of the nba's 60 draft picks were filled by players who participated in the combine uh last year that number was 49 um Let's over the last five years nba players have drafted nba teams excuse me have drafted a total of 11 players who did not get combine invites um and there's one other thing that i wanted to list on an average of 15 guys who attend the combine each year stay in the draft and are not selected by an nba team so that's where we'll start because there's kind of some confusion over new rulings that the ncaa approved and and i tweeted yeah because of the <laughs> combine invite yeah. yeah because of the combine invite roby be roby could stay in the draft go undrafted and still return to school if he notified the school the Monday after the draft by 5 p.m. And you sent me a Slack DM and were like, hey, the NBA never approved what the NCAA approved. So explain that to me and for anybody else that, that might have confusion on when the when the, the drop-dead date is that he has to take his name out of the draft. Yeah, so it is 10 days after the combine, like you mentioned, May 29th um, this year. 
So that rule, yes, the NCAA, when they went through all these changes to the draft, they did that allowed players to sign with agents and maintain eligibility. Now they did agree to, um, for guys that were invited to the combine, but when I drafted, they did talk about letting those guys come back, but that will only go into effect once the NBA side of things, um, kind of agree to their side and what they need to do is um, prevent um, the NBA from signing players once they go back to school. So basically um, they don't want the NBA to be able to midway through the college season, like, Oh, Hey, we're, we need to, we're down a guy. We're hit, hit with some injuries. Let's go sign this dude from the this college or whatever and have him come in and um, that went undrafted. So that's the side of it that they're still waiting on. That's why that rule is no longer in effect because the if you were because they act, they entered their name in the draft technically um, they would be able to sign as free agents after that so even if they returned to college you now have um, I mean have uh, now kind of fulfilled your um, requirement of putting your name in the draft to eventually enter the NBA so you know what I mean so now yeah, yep. That would allow them to sign whenever guys whenever they wanted to, and the NCAA doesn't want that. Um, that wouldn't be good for anybody. So yeah, that I mean, there was some confusion about that. Some, uh, but uh, the May 29th is the important date, um, and we will. I'm gonna try to uh, talk with Isaiah uh, after he goes through the combine. He uh, said that he'd be interested in doing that. Just kind of talk to him about the whole experience of what it's like going through the combine. Um, I'm sure we'll see. He, he has 10 days. Hopefully he doesn't need all 10 days to make his decision. Um, I think for Nebraska's sake, but that is what he will have. So the, the combine is the 15th through the 19th in Chicago. Isaiah yes. will be one of 66 guys there. Uh, I saw he, he had a, a pre combine workout with Minnesota Timberwolves recently. He's a guy who, uh, ESPN, was it Giovanni? Was uh, that the Giovanni? mock draft? Yeah, okay. Yeah. There you go, butchering names again. Uh, ESPN's mock draft had him 37th, so that would be second round to Dallas, uh, but high second rounder. Yeah. And I was talking to, I think, our radio guy, Chris Schmidt, about this, and he kind of asked me what my gut feeling was, and I said, I think I think it's in Roby's best interest to go to the draft and to stay in the draft because with the way the NBA has changed the G League – and added in two-way contracts for NBA teams. There are guys who go undrafted. There are guys who are second-round picks. There, are, I mean, look at the Bucks. The Bucks are all second-round picks. And then Giannis. There are yeah. guys who who can kind of make their way up through the G League and get NBA opportunities and chances to play. And yes, there there's a benefit. Uh, I, there's absolutely a benefit to Roby coming back and playing within Fred Hoiberg's system. I think he could become a better offensive player and showcase a more tantalizing skill set for for leaving after his senior year. There's also a chance that he rolls his ankle the first game of the season and he doesn't play again. There's also a chance that a team like Dallas at 37 takes him and he's he he, he makes the roster for the opening night. There's also a chance that he's a G League guy that earns maybe a two-way contract with with an NBA team. There's also a chance that he's a really good G League guy that earns a full-time contract with an NBA team. There's, I, I just think, you know, he he has an NBA skill set. He has an NBA frame, 
and I think we're going to get into this process, and he's going to either get a second-round grade or somebody's going to convince him, hey, you have a future in this league. Just come out now and stay in. I think it. I think ultimately it would be best for him to just stay in and go to the draft and, and start that next chapter in his career. Also, you brought up a point earlier that I had never even thought of. There's nobody on the team left that he played with. <laughs> yeah, that just kind of occurred to me after that. the latest round. I was like, well, dang, like w- – w- does he even know anybody on the team? Obviously, you got Thorier right. still hanging around somehow. Um, and then Deshaun Burke, he went up against him in practice, but and he's talked to a Cole and um, and Gervais Green as recruits. But yeah, coming back here, it would be a whole new team for him too. So it's a whole new coach, whole new team. Um, it, it wouldn't exactly be the kind of what he's used to. So he'd be starting over and doing that your senior year, that's never something I think that you want to do. And, um, I, I was kind of, so I, I wrote a story a while back talking to, um, Sam Bassini of the athletic. He's, uh, their draft guy. Um, I'm a fan of his work and, um, all the work he does putting into it. Um, and he, he just kind of laid out all the different options that Kyrie or Kyrie, uh, that uh, I'll get to that in a second, but Isaiah, has before him um the different kind of contracts you can make the kind of the the way he's viewed by um nba people just kind of the the profile that he has as six nine six six eight six nine long athletic um the the baseline of some perimeter scale um there's a lot of things to like there and kind of always thought like he he felt like the nba is always going to take a chance on that guy even if he returned and didn't make a dramatic improvement, they'd still kind of feel like, hey, we can get something out of him. But on the other hand, maybe it is best for him to get into a professional development. He obviously hasn't progressed skill-wise at Nebraska like um, you would have liked to have seen from a guy with like that. Um, the, he didn't really make that big of a jump from sophomore to junior year if he made a jump at all besides playing more. So – Yes, he could potentially return and thrive under Hoybrick's situation. But I look at another guy from around these parts, uh, Creighton's Kyrie Thomas uh, out of Omaha last year. He uh, uh, entered the draft as a junior, ended up being taken with the 38th pick um, by the Detroit Pistons, and they gave him a fully guaranteed contract. And that is happening more and more with second-round picks, especially um, players – drafted in the first half of the second round. And so you kind of right in the same range that Roby could potentially go. And Kyrie spent most of the season in the G League. Got uh, He only played 26 games in the NBA, but he was on the bench a lot. He was around their practices. He was around the team. He got the experience of being on an NBA team. Um, he got to play in the playoffs this year. Um, scored nine points in nine minutes in their first playoff game. So. Um, and meanwhile, he was down in the G League working on his skill set, um, kind of developing his game. So that's kind of, I think, what you could potentially see happen for Isaiah. Um, taking in that first 15 picks of the second round, signs a, a guaranteed contract with the team, ends up developing mostly in the G League, gets some NBA looks here and there, kind of get that experience, and just continues to work on that skill set as his job as opposed to kind of being on the side while he's going to school and everything like that. Yeah, I think that that's also one of the most appealing things is, I mean, 20, 
looking at Kyrie Thomas' season, 26 games at the NBA level is not a lot, but it's also 26 games at the NBA level. It's not, you know, 12 games against Southeast Minnesota State or some of the non-conference yeah, exactly. teams that Nebraska played this year. And, and and when you're in the G League, if you're one of those guys who's on a two-way deal, you're one of those guys who who is kind of in, in an NBA team's future plans, you're a little bit more featured on your G League team. And the benefit there is you're getting development from professionals. You're playing with professionals. You're playing against professionals. And I think, you know, that has an appeal factor, you know, all on its own for, for Roby. So I don't, I don't know what, ultimately, I don't know what his decision is. I don't know. Uh, I know he wants to get drafted. I know he wants to play in the NBA. Uh, and I don't know what his timeline is, but you know, if I was giving him advice, I would tell him to stay for kind of all the reasons that we've, we've laid out. Would that be your kind of your view on the situation as well? Yeah, I think at this point, and especially based on what we've seen and getting that combine invitation, I think that's going to be enough unless he totally tanks the process, which I highly doubt. Um, I think he'll probably be best served to stay in the draft. What will be interesting to me um, is to see what he does at the combine. Does he do everything? Does he go full out? Uh, does he play the five on five? Um, I'm sure he'll go through all the testing and all the interviews and all that stuff. He'll do great and all that stuff. I'm kind of interested to see what he would look like in the workout situation uh, or the, not the workout, but the, the five on five um, situation where he's playing with guys he's not familiar with. He's kind of showing what he can do. Cause I could see that kind of going either way for him. Like, yeah, maybe he can get some uh, open some eyes, but maybe he could also struggle in that environment. So that I'll try to kind of keep my eye on the combine when that rolls around and see how see how he's looking and see what he does. Cool. All right, Jacob. Well, You've got work to do. I know you just got done transcribing an interview. you got some stuff going up on hillvarsity.com throughout the weekend, so I'll let you get back to it. Or, you know, watch NBA until 2 o'clock in the morning and then work. So Yeah, that'll probably be how things go. <laughs> whatever you want to do. Appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking hoops. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, we will be back next week with another podcast. We'll have plenty of stuff on hillvarsity.com throughout the weekend and throughout next week. No off-season for us, so we'll talk to you guys next week.